0: What's up everybody? It's me. It's me. It is Mr. Sensational Gino V. Mr. Sensational Gino Vega coming to you, the tens of ones in the listening audience with a very special episode 86 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. That's right, folks. You are listening to The 86th iteration of this, the show where I, an ordinary, average, underwhelming individual living here in beautiful Napa, California, plumb the depths of my soul, the depths of my psyche, clawing and dragging and kneading through all of that mind-numbingly boring, average uninteresting existence to find those little kernels, those crumbs that I can string together in some sort of grotesque necklace and present to you as content here on this show that is truly a show about not much of anything at all, where for about 30 to 40 minutes a week uh, I bring to you takes, tales, and thoughts that you didn't want, don't need, but If you don't press stop, if you continue to listen, you're going to get anyway. So let's kick things off here with a very special episode 86. And it seems like it would be hard to be much more very special than today. Because I record this show today on August 16th, 2022. You'll probably be listening to it the next day or later. But I'm recording now on August 16th. And August 16th is in fact... Mr. Sensational, Gino Vega's birthday. So we're going to talk for just a moment about birthdays, about Mr. Sensational, Gino Vega's birthday. And it's odd for me to bring this to you as a topic because as I'm sure I have mentioned on the show in the past, Mr. Sensational, Gino Vega is not a birthday guy. Insofar as it pertains to himself, um, let me explain. There was a time in Mr. Sensational Gene. why am I doing this thir- is was a third person thing. I <laughs> There was a time in my life when um I bur- was just a notification for the first day of school starting tomorrow, which we will hit on as well. But there was a time in my life where um birthdays were truly a momentous occasion. And I think that's pretty natural for um you know, children in stable enough Circumstances where they have family members that are making a to-do about their birthday, giving them gifts, etc., etc. As a as a very young person, this seems like a huge deal. There is this amazing day of the year where all of a sudden I'm I'm getting all this swag. I'm getting all this attention. And I think I, I became uh, aware of this, aware of birthdays um, at a pretty young age. I have to imagine there's this one in particular I remember where all of a sudden I thought it was weird because it's like I'm getting these Star Wars action figures from my parents. Some friends of theirs are sending me um, some more Star Wars action figures and this Darth Vader cape that the mom uh, made for me. And then all of a sudden we're going over to my grandparents' house and there's like this cake with like clowns on it. And uh, there's more Star Wars action figures. So I'm pretty sure that was my third birthday. Third. Um, and... I just remember what a high that felt like, that there's just, you're going along, you're going along, everything's mundane, and then boom, all of a sudden there's this amazing 24, 48-hour period where you're just being showered with with toys, showered with gifts, um, and it seemed great. And as the years moved on, you know, you become more and more cognizant of what the birthday actually is, and then it morphs into, at least for me, it morphed into eventually, you know, having uh, uh, pizza parties with the homies, you know, go to Chuck E. Cheese, play a bunch of video games uh go to i don't know what other pizza places were there back in the day Shakey's, round table straw hat um, have a good old time uh i believe for me the extreme high of birthdays culminated um in um what year would this have been let me let me look at the google machine here um return of the jedi jedi was 83 Um, and I just got that off of Wikipedia e-nerd, so don't try to dispute that it was 83. Um, because Wikipedia is known for its, uh, authoritative accuracy. So, yeah, this would have been, I think, my seventh birthday. Um, oh, we can, we can, we can triple check this here to make sure no factoid Mary's come out of the woodwork. Let's see. Zartan action figure. Original. Um... Okay, so 85. So it wasn't the same year. So I'm glad I checked because I would have been in a lot of trouble with some of our more um, uh, high-strung listeners when it comes to um, the facts, as it were. Let's see here. So 1985 minus 1976. Type in the Google machine. I was nine. My ninth birthday, my ninth birthday was the culmination of all birthdays for me. Because that year, I wanted one thing and one thing only. And it was the original Zartan G.I. Joe Real American Hero action figure. The Zartan action figure that came with this little like motorcycle speeder th- thing. Um, his uh, skin changed color if you left him out in the sun. And he had um, a fake face you could put over his actual face as a disguise. It was an amazing action figure at the time. Um, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Uh, I asked my parents for it, and usually my parents were fine with getting me whatever, you know, within reason uh, I was asking for for my birthday. There was always a little bit of a sticking point with G.I. Joe for a number of reasons. So my parents were not um, super consistent about this, but um, they would go through phases of trying to um, trying to police, trying to manage the kind of content I was consuming as a child. Um, so I wasn't allowed to see a lot of popular movies that uh, everyone else got to see. But again, it wasn't consistent because like I saw stuff like my dad took me to see Raiders of the Lost Ark in the theater when it came out, and I was pretty young uh, for that. Saw the Star Wars movies and stuff, but they were they 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 shied away from anything more realistically militaristic. Like, I remember I well, this was after '85, I believe, because after we moved from San Francisco, California, to um, oh no, 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 we were this all was taking place. Okay, getting confused here. The story I'm about to tell took place in Atascadero, California, where we lived in 1985. Shortly after that, we moved to Santa Rosa, California. When I moved to Santa Rosa, California, Sylvester Stallone's film Rambo. Part two or Rambo 2 First Blood. I, I don't, I've never seen it, so I don't know what to tell you. Uh, First Blood Part Two, right? Uh, was out in the theaters. I was obsessed with this movie. I wanted nothing more to see the, than to see this movie. My parents would not allow me to see this movie. So when it came to realistic militarism, they, they decided it was like a bridge too far, it was too violent. So they were always giving me grief about G.I. Joe. Um, you know, they, cutting heads off with He Man. Um, shooting people with energy blasts with Star Wars. That was all fine and good, but, uh, um, you know, a survival knife and a bullet to the dome was uh, was uh, j- just too much for them to uh, picture my young mind comprehending. Um, I found this super irritating at the time because, again, it would be one thing if we were just, like, full-blown, like, you know, I don't know, Amish people or something and didn't consume any content, but it's like, you mean you to tell me you're caring about this now, but you're not going to care about it? A day from now and you're going to watch what you're watching, but I can't. It, 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 it struck me as very um, false, very phony. And it stuck with me as an adult with my own children. I've never been strong into content policing. Um, I know people's mileage may vary. I know people um, that are, are very much so into content policing, but I we've always kind of let our kids I mean it's not like we're gonna like go out of our way to like supply them with a bunch of strange stuff that they don't want to see but as far as what they're interested in I've always kind of like let them explore that freely and I think it's worked out because there's been cases where like our oldest would start reading a book and started getting to parts that like were freaking her out or she didn't feel comfortable with and she would just set it aside and stop um, looking at it and maybe revisit it a few years later. But that avoided it turning into this strange tug of war, this strange constant struggle that actually makes the, in my experience, makes the kid become much more obsessed with uh, um, the forbidden object than if they were just allowed to interact with it and realize it probably wasn't even that great to begin with. In any case, uh, my parents were giving me the runaround about Zartan. A, because Zartan was a G.I. Joe action figure. And B, and as I'm telling this, I think I might have told this story on a show years back, so bear with me if you heard it. But It's a formative tale in the life of Mr. Sensational Gino Vega. B, you know, the G.I. Joe characters had those dossier files on the back of the, the card. Um, and Zartans described that he was a paranoid schizophrenic. Um, I think the idea was that that's where the multiple personalities, that's where the disguises came from. But my parents felt it was written in a way that was sort of demonizing paranoid schizophrenics. And now this was <laughs> a problem on two fronts. A, my dad worked in the um, field of mental health; he was a, a psychotherapist. Um, uh, so I think my parents were a little more sensitive than some about, like, you know, making fun of people with with uh, psychological issues. But uh, in addition to that, my aunt. My dad's sister was, in fact, a diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. So I think they worried I would see this. I would see that paranoid schizophrenics were members of Cobra. And then um, I would start thinking poorly of my aunt, I guess. Not that my aunt didn't cause a lot of drama in the family. and Everyone thought of her poorly anyway. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, so somehow though, somehow, though, the power of the birthday prevailed, and I was presented with that Zartan action figure, after much gnashing of teeth and renting of hair for that, what did I say, ninth birthday in 1985. And it was amazing, and I had many hours of fun playing that thing into the ground. Um, but birthdays were never... like It's like that, what's the, the polar express? You can't hear the bell anymore. It's just like... At that crescendo, the thrill of the birthday had diminishing returns almost immediately to the point where I never really felt that high again. Um, and I would attribute part of that to growing, changing. I mean, you're at some point, you're not a little kid anymore you may still like to play with toys. You may still like to collect things, but it just, you have more agency in your own life, more ability. There's no longer this situation where you either get nothing or presents come just apparate out of thin air into your arms. Um, so for me, at least, there was less of a high of this idea of getting presents. And, and um, I, do, uh, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't change the feeling that I got from it as a child for the world. I loved that feeling of surprise and magic. Um, and I think it's an important thing for kids. I did, with our kids, I, we, both of us as parents went out of our way to kind of create a lot of rituals, a lot of uh, fantastical things around holidays, around birthdays and such when they're young. Um, because I think that it does something to help stimulate one's imagination, one's uh, creative vision, when you you get to spend a few years of your life living in this um, fantasy world where magical things happen. But at a certain point, for me at least, I, I, I guess I just kind of grew out of it. And I think another factor for me, at least in my own experience, as you get older, some of these rituals some of these holidays the birthdays the valentines days i i get kind of uncomfortable cuz i feel like among adults they become sort of this weird um competition almost this test to see um do do, do you really care enough do, did you really pay enough attention that kind of thing and i don't like that i i don't like i mean if someone else really needs that i'll I'll do my best to accommodate them. I don't want to put someone else in that position myself about me. And I think the the death knell for, for birthdays for me was, um, gosh, I uh, would have had to be, um, it was like 13 years ago. So let's see here. <laughs> let's go into the old Google machine for some math. How you like that, e-nerd? I'm doing a 46 minus 13 on the Google machine. So I was 33 right around 33. Um, we at the time, um, so the reason I know this is 13 years ago, um, our youngest Miss Sensational 2, who is now 13. What am I talking about? She's 14. Um, okay, let me do this again. <laughs> 46 minus 14. I was 32. Um, yeah, she just turned 14. Um, Last month, Look at me with the birthday. See, I'm case in point here. Uh, if uh, I, There was a test to see how much I cared about her. I just failed. I should mention I'm also the same guy that um, lost my wedding ring like a week after our wedding. Falling into, I believe, the Sacramento River at a uh, co-ed bachelor party on an island where we were ferried out there by the individual known as Joe C... What does he also call himself, like Joe? Is it Joe Normal, Joe Average? Joe Nobody. Joe Nobody. The patron Joe Nobody. Um, thanks to him. All his fault, I lost my wedding ring. Um, so that's how much I care about the people in my life. Um, or is it that's how much I care about tokens? I don't know. Um, I, still, I, I got a replacement immediately after, and I still wear it to this day. It has not left my finger since. Ms. S., on the other hand, doesn't wear her wedding ring. Tisk tsk. I think the marriage is over. But I digress. Um, So uh, 14 years ago, Miss Two was born. She was a newborn baby, and we're going through all the chaos that comes from that. We had a three-year-old already with us. We had the newborn freaking out. We had um, Ms. S. with some like attendant, not anything serious, but just some attendant nagging health stuff uh, post-childbirth. No sleep, life upside down, and there was a relative in the family at the time by marriage. Um, a relative no longer related to the family by marriage. Let's put it that way. But she was related to the family by marriage at the time. And it just happened to be her birthday. And we, I mean, Ms. S was the one who's, this woman was related to marriage on Ms. S's side of the family. Ms. S was just pretty much out of commission. I had my hands full. And it occurred to me that it was this woman's birthday, but I kind of forgot and I ended up, I didn't reach out to her. And this woman called us the next day and was like, hello, I just wanted to let you know it was my birthday yesterday. And I do like it when people acknowledge my birthday. And it's like, all right, my bad. But bro, use a little context here. You're a grown woman. It's going to be okay. You know, this this is where I part company with birthdays as as an adult, when it becomes this bizarre sort of Damocles test. It's like, lady, love you, care about you, but there's some crazy stuff going on right now. We'll get back to you on the flip side. Postscript to this story. Um, This was, I can't remember if it was the same year. It might might, very well have been. Um, It might have been a year later. No, it might have been the same year, because I think that's the whole punchline. Um, and not that long after because, uh, um, Ms. Two was born in July. Um, I think the aggrieved woman's birthday is at the very beginning of August. Then my birthday is, as you now know, August 16th. Um, the aggrieved woman has a child whose birthday, um, is also right around mine in August. So anyway, the aggrieved woman had a birthday party for, um, her child and she had it on August 16th, my birthday, and we had our hands full with a uh, baby, little kid. My brother and his wife were about to be moving across country, so we are trying to see them before we were leaving. It was my birthday. Um, and we set that all aside and attended the child's birthday party because, you know, that's obviously more important than a 32, 33-year-old dope's uh, birthday. And um, we... Uh, put aside everything else we were doing, made space for the birthday. I did not complain that it was on my birthday. I went, I attended, I had a good time. And then somehow it came up at the very end, not from us, but like that, oh, I, I think it's Mr. Sensational's birthday today. And the aggrieved woman just like turned white. And she's like, oh, <laughs> Thank you for coming. So I kind of put birthdays behind me. After that, it's like life's too short. Literally speaking of birthdays, that's another reason I'm not necessarily a fan at this point. (laughs) But to get into these power struggles, to get into these like passive aggressive tug of wars, I I don't care, man. Let's just hang out every day. Let's have a good time every day. Let's like uh, help each other get whatever stuff we want and you know, I don't know, be nice to each other, E-L-E, as it were. If you're into birthdays, I I, seriously, I'm not telling this story to try to be like a jerk and like make you feel bad. Like, I'm just saying my own perspective here, why I'm, the guy that doesn't care care about birthdays who's talked to you for 20 minutes about the fact that it's, it's his birthday today. If you get joy out of birthdays, if you love birthdays, go for it, go for it with gusto. Just do it with a little bit of understanding that, you know, you're not a little kid anymore and it doesn't have to be this total like, um uh Mr. Trumpian like everyone bows down to you that day. Just just enjoy enjoy people every day. If you want to elevate it, enjoy people on a birthday way on your birthday, go for the gusto as well. I don't know. That's my my two cents. I'm going to be celebrating my birthday today by recording this episode, taking a child's phone to get a screen repaired at a screen pla- repair place, taking another child to Santa Rosa for an orthodontist appointment, coming home, making dinner, getting them all ready for the first day of school tomorrow. And uh, Ms. S. has to work late, so happy birthday to me. Folks, we are going to close out this very special episode 86 of the podcast with a look back at um, a recent topic that is finally um, dead and buried once and for all. Those of you who listen to the show may recall that um, a while back, There was this whole viral marketing to-do here in Napa, California, wherein New Belgium Brewing Company's Voodoo Ranger brand imprint um, started this ad campaign where they claimed they were going to be opening a uh, beer-themed amusement park here in Napa uh, with uh, multiple nightly fireworks shows, with a tidal pool, with beer instead of water in it, with, like, the world's largest, or Northern California's largest roller coaster made out of recycled beer barrels, et cetera, et cetera, all kinds of outlandish claims, Um, and then if you pulled on the thread and followed it along, you were invited to a focus group to give your thoughts on the project. Um, I was fascinated by this campaign at first, so I ended up attending one of the focus groups uh, where an obvious actor... Portrayed this project, this obviously fake project, as a real thing. And real life members of the Napa public um, sat there and lost their mind and got irate and believed everything they were being told as true. And then we were all paid $150 for our trouble and we got in a Voodoo Ranger action figure and a pint glass. Um, you may recall that when I did an episode about this experience, um, I had mentioned that the strange part of it was that it was it was obviously some sort of viral marketing hoax, but we left there without kind of an end to the story like they didn't say why they were bothering to do this um, no, this isn't really happening, et cetera. A few weeks after the focus group, everyone who attended was emailed the fact that in fact, there was no voodoo ranger action park amusement park um that the whole thing was a viral marketing hoax but that we had all signed non-disclosure agreements um at the event because we did have to sign something before we went in um meaning that we could not talk about it we couldn't post about it being fake online until um they uh revealed the fact themselves publicly and so after we got that notification over the next month or so a Voodoo Ranger on their Twitter and on their Instagram had slowly been releasing these uh, kind of promo reels that they put together from the focus group uh, um, footage of, of angry Nappins foaming at the mouth about, stay out of Napa! Um, You know, and it was like, uh, Nappins don't want the Voodoo Ranger Action Park, but we're coming anyway! You know, and so that went on for a while. Um, and then finally it crescendoed in, in this last commercial where um, uh, it was, I, I can't remember, I watched it and I can't remember if it explicitly said the thing wasn't real, but it, the punchline was that it's not happening. Um, but that, uh, I, I, there, it was very murky. There wasn't an, and I, I really don't know why they spent the time and money on this marketing campaign because how many people are actually going to see this or care or get it. I mean, I was, um, intrinsically interested due to my proximity, you know, to, due to the fact that I live here. Uh, but it was a very weird, very clunky campaign in the end. Um, but there was some some articles written about it in Bay Area publications, uh, San Francisco Chronicle, and then a um, online entity SF Gate, and their take on it was um, that. New Belgian Brewery, Voodoo Ranger, were heels because they came in here and they manipulated these poor people into believing something was real and then made them look stupid in the footage. Um, Voodoo Ranger says that their their purpose behind it was they wanted to poke fun at uptight, snobby uh, Napa wine country with this extreme beer brand. To me, both of these outfits are coming at this from a very strange place, a wrong place. But the pieces all come together to form kind of a sad portrait of the human condition. So on one hand, you have Voodoo Ranger's initial assumption that Napa County is a place of extreme wine snobbery and it needed to be shaken up and made fun of by this extreme IPA imprint. Um, I hear this a lot. I hear this a lot, this idea of of Napa being this land of of rich wine people, uptight wine people. And that does exist here to a degree. There are obviously wineries here. There's obviously a wine industry. There's a whole tourism industry based on people visiting the place to go to the wineries. There are attendant restaurants because of the proximity of the wine. Um, There's other kind of alcohol distilleries because once you start drinking the wine, you want to drink other alcohol. There's, there's all kinds of food and drink here, yes. Um, a lot of that does not pertain to the people that actually live here in the city of Napa on a day-to-day basis. Before tourism kind of blew up here, it was just kind of a middling rural suburban town. And as far as people who straight up live here, that's a lot of what you have. You have people, particularly the people that came out of the woodwork for the focus groups, and we'll get into this, but a lot of older, as as they might be called, boomers that have no affiliation with the wine industry. They were just kind of middling Northern California, not not unlike a lot of people from growing up in, in Santa Rosa, um, uh, where things change, and, and this is true in Santa Rosa to a degree too, um, where I used to live, but in Napa in particular, these older folks live in these modest homes with insanely inflated real estate value because of the tourism. So they are set with their, um, if they are homeowners, which many of that age demographic, that ilk are, They have this great financial windfall from the fact that the place that they live blew up into a tourism area. At the same time, they are against all things tourism, all things change, all things growth, all things expansion. So they want to benefit from it, but they are also against it. Um, There's those kind of people that live here. There's oftentimes complete overlooking of the huge... uh, Spanish-speaking background population that lives here, folks that live here that work, um, you know, in the service industry and in the labor industry. Um, when people talk about rich, snobby nappins, they're just completely overlooking um, the people that do a lot of the uh, grunt work in the wine industry who also, in fact, live here. Um, and then there's also... The, the, I've met a lot of, like, people in wine in my time here and they're mostly people in their early 30s working for wineries working as winemakers but it's like it's more of like a blue collar job they're not like rich people they're young pe- it, they're it, it's akin to people i knew um when i was in sonoma county that worked you know for like coffee roasters or whatever yeah they work there yeah it's a trade yeah they they make a nice you know they make good trade type income but they're not they don't own the winery they're not these rich snobby people they're just you know working men and women that um this industry is thriving here, so they're working here. Um, a lot of the images you see of the people in the outlandish garb and fancy cars and blah, 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 it's people that are visiting here. Uh, not that there aren't some of those people that live here, but most of them, even if people of that ilk live here, it's usually this is like their secondary or tertiary residence that they live like in San Francisco or somewhere else. So anyway, Voodoo Ranger came into the whole thing with an unf- uh, operating off of an unfounded stereotype, but that's how we all do everything. Everything is based off of we believe something is true, therefore it becomes true. So they were working on that assumption, making their um, parody marketing campaign. And I don't fault them for that. They're trying to make noise. They're trying to make attention for themselves. Uh, they're under no obligation to consider Napa responsibly to to actually learn about who lives here, why they live here, etc. Um, where, so the, the articles in the, uh, San Francisco Chronicle and SF gate were really trying to make them the heel. Like they came in here, they manipulated people. They lied to people. They made people upset about something that wasn't true. They were disingenuous. I say they were trying to create content, more power to them. I mean, if you find that heelish, then you find Business, you find free market heelish. And we can get into that, but I mean, that's just they're doing what they're doing to make money. You know, they're not a moral entity. Where I find much more fault, and where SF Gate and San Francisco Chronicle are trying to paint these people as, as the victims, were the people that went to these focus groups, were the people that, that took all of this stuff at face value, no critical thought whatsoever. Beer title pool, sure, I think someone's really going to try to build one of those. Three fireworks shows a night in Napa, oh yeah, they're really going to get away with that. Uh, using no critical thought, no discernment, showing up with these things in this belligerent, angry, yelling mode, these people chose to act like this. These people chose to not use their mind. These people chose to accept whatever was shown in front of them as truth. And so they can live with the consequences of looking like an idiot on um, the sizzle reels that were made. And in the end, who cares? It's just for a dumb beer advertisement. But where this becomes more depressing to me, more insidious to me, is um, people do this about very real things, about things of of consequence. Um, People are just so easily... Led into mob behavior, into unthinking, um, uh, frenzied horde behavior, often over things that aren't even true. You simply have to tell someone something and they will take it as gospel. Um, and when it comes to this, specifically when it comes to this kind of like uh, community meeting NIMBY behavior that we saw in the uh, Voodoo Ranger focus groups. I've seen this happen about things, um, again, of actual consequence here in Napa. Not just in Napa, I used to see it in Santa Rosa too, and you can see it anywhere. Um, I uh, am married to someone that works in an industry that's adjacent to a lot of public meetings, and so I I have watched one too many in my lifetime, mainly to just figure out, oh, when's she gonna be done with work? Um, But, um, so I've had a a front row seat to to how the public process works as far as... um, Municipalities um, either being mandated to have to build something and um, people falling prey to rumors and um, conjecture that aren't true and then coming out en masse and, and being worked into a frenzy. Or um, for-profit development projects where sometimes there's very good reason to be uh, opposed to them. Other times, again, it's just based on um, uh, rumor, frenzy, um, I'll give two examples. Cause one is, ai um, I don't know if it's necessarily for, yeah, I mean, I guess it's for profit for a nonprofit. Um, when I lived in Santa Rosa, Goodwill wanted to open a uh, thrift store on a very busy stretch of a major street in Santa Rosa called fourth street. And this part of fourth street intersected with a neighborhood. The neighborhood is kind of nestled out there, and then 4th Street's a big main thoroughfare, and Goodwill wanted to put this thrift store right there. Now, this Goodwill thrift store was not um, an unknown quantity. It was a type of store that they own and operate, um, and they have different types, different models. This was a model that doesn't involve um, pickup or drop-off of items. This is like Goodwill has the... They, they've culled through all their stuff. They've come up with the cream of the crop, you know, the the, the stuff that's not going to go to the dig where Icy Robots goes. Not that there's anything wrong with the dig, but just different different tiers of where this stuff goes. Is the dig Goodwill or is it Salvation Army or is it a different entity? I can't remember. i got to look that up. For some reason, I think it's Goodwill. But, you know, when they're culling through all the stuff and they find the stuff that can actually be presented as, like, storefront antique material, it goes to this certain model of store. And that's what Goodwill was proposing to open here. So... No, um, no 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 drop off of items, no people loitering around um, it, it was essentially an antique store, but owned and operated by goodwill. but somehow a rumor got started that this was going to be like a homeless drop-in center and people were going to be like offloading all their stuff here and they were all going to be hanging out in the neighborhood and uh, the place was going to be operating 24 hours a day and and so this antique store that has since, you know, it was approved, it opened, and I'm sure everyone has forgotten it even exists, turned into this frenzied mob of people, we don't want you stay out of our neighborhood. Uh. And again, they're, they weren't even going into the neighborhood, they're going to the major busy street that already has all kinds of business and commerce on it, at the edge of the neighborhood. But the rumors were flying, people were believing everything that came down the pike, None of it ended up being true. The thing opened. And like I said, I mean, I'd love to do like a documentary and go back and interview people about what it's like, you know, 10, 15 years later, however long it's been since that thing opened, but it's so much ado about nothing, so much negative energy that probably could be harnessed into something positive. Because again, everyone is up to go out and participate in their community when it's negative, when they're perceived that there's some, some entity coming out to get them it's much harder in a lot of cases to get people to uh, come together and pitch in uh, creatively, positively. And that's probably that, that's what we need more of in this world. But sadly, you know, the Voodoo Ranger experience was showing that, that, that what's easier to do is to push those buttons to get people angry, to get people fired up to fight about something, to fight against something. The other example I will give is here in Napa. Um, there was um, an entity, a homeless services entity, trying to open... Um, this housing uh community in this abandoned lot, not very far from where I live actually. And the way it's the type of gimmick where the place is managed. Um so, you know, there's social workers or whatever, um, caseworkers that that live on the premises, and people that that do not have housing are given units there And there's house rules uh, folks have to abide by. And it's a place where people can transition from not having a home to having a home um, to living in their own place to to just kind of getting more franchised. And and with all the to-do, with all the uh, outcry about about homelessness, homeless people, this, that, you'd think that the idea of transitioning people away from that um, into having their own place, into being able to become stable, that that would be the aim. That would be the goal. Um, because it's good for them, but it's good for everybody because would you rather live in a world where people that are having problems that are having issues, whether they be mental health issues, drug addiction issues, would you rather live in a world where these people are living in managed care where they're being assisted and they're not like sleeping in your doorway or a world where they're literally sleeping in your doorway, which has happened here at our our place here in Napa, which, you know, uh, ELE, but it's kind of awkward to have a dude just post it up in your doorway. At like five in the morning. But in any case, once this uh, project was proposed, the rumors started flying. Oh, it was a place where they're going to welcome people in to just do drugs and assault neighbors. And uh, it's going to be a free for all. Despite the fact that there's all this evidence to the contrary, people believed what they wanted to hear, what pushed their buttons. What caused them to come out in an aggrieved, frenzied mob? And again, right now the place is completely abandoned and there are all kinds of folks without places to live lurking around there, wandering around there. There's no one managing it. Um, and so is that better? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I feel like people having like nice units, uh, doing their thing with someone who can look out for them and, and help keep them on, on, on the path. I feel like that's a, that's a net positive for everybody, but folks will believe what they want to hear, and folks seem to enjoy being aggrieved, being frenzied, being part of the mob, and that's what I learned from the voodoo, my time with Voodoo Ranger. Again, I do not fault Voodoo Ranger as the heels in this case. Um, I mean, you know, the the for-profit business that's trying to manipulate people. That's just what they do. That's what they do. I, I assume it's heelish in nature, but that's... The world of business is heel-ish in nature. Um, We can't control that. What we can control is how we take in information, how we apprehend information, uh, how we think about things, and how we behave in public, how we behave with other people. Uh, Do we immediately go into this mode of foaming at the mouth and wanting to fight, or do we allow for a little bit of space to kind of figure out what's going on and kind of figure out a way forward that works for the most people possible. I don't know. That seems like a good way of, uh, a good mode of being to me. Your take may different, Made made different, may differ. And that's just fine. Now folks, I'm off to celebrate my birthday in grand style. I will talk to you next time. Until then, it's me, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, signing off. Oh, 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 no, I forgot something. I forgot something. Um, First, well, no, the time I announced it was the first time, but the the first time since then on the show. I forgot our segment. Folks, it has now been one week, one calendar week from the time that I'm recording this um, since the time that I recorded last episode. We did do an episode last week, right? Yes, we did. One calendar week without a visit to Napa, California by one engineer nerd. One week and counting. This segment got kind of shortchanged this week. Um, We'll revisit it in more detail next week. But one calendar week without a visit to Napa, California from our friend of the show, friend of the network, Engineer Nerd. Until next time, it is me, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, signing off.